there always used to be three of us. Both of them used to be armed, used to be carrying guns, you know. And uh, you know, I witnessed, I witnessed a man getting his hand chopped off. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Wide Awake Podcast. My name is Joshua Rubin, and today I have a very special guest. His name is Tommy, and uh, he is a recovering drug addict. And uh, we actually know each other. We go quite far back, a few years now. Um, we met in rehab. So <laughs> I'm very interested to kind of reminisce and hear more about his story uh, because to be honest, I didn't listen to much of anything when I was in rehab. So it's kind of be like the, the first time again. Anyway, man, welcome to the studio. Thanks, Josh. So just to start off, I mean, you're from the UK, right? I am, yeah. yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about where you grew up? So I grew up uh, in a town not far outside London, um, like a rural town. Uh, it's London Overspill, we call it. So um, back in the 80s, lo lots of top firms moved out of London, just not far out, just because it's cheaper. Um, so it's called London Overspill. It was a pleasant place to grow up. Uh, you know, it had its, had its bad, it certainly had its bad points, but no, it was nice. It was nice to grow up there. And um, just to kind of get straight into it. Yeah. At what age did you start using drugs? 12. 12 years old. 12 years old, yeah. So yeah. you started young. <laughs> I started young. Um, I did, yeah. I started off on uh, hash, you know, smoking hash. I don't know if it was cannabis resin um, and drinking. So drinking and, and, and smoking, smoking dope at, at 12. Um, it was a way for me then to, you know, at the age of 12, I hated myself. I hated myself. My dad had left when I was young. Um, I didn't have a, he, he was too busy with, with his new family, you know, with his new girlfriend and, and her daughter. And my older brother, who I idolized, um, I got nothing but bullying off him, you know. Um, so I felt worthless. I can remember that feeling, you know, at a young age, feeling very worthless, um, hating myself. And as soon as I discovered alcohol and drugs, you know, it was a way of escaping them feelings. You know, I could just, it was, it, for the time I was under the influence, um, I was someone else, you know, I wasn't me, I wasn't living my life um, and I loved it. I know you, you've kind of answered this already, but what purpose did it serve for you? Like you, you said that things weren't amazing at home yeah. and uh, your kind of image of yourself wasn't great. What did drugs do for you? So it gave me confidence, you know, I was, um, listen, I didn't have much confidence uh, in school at that age, um, but I found when I was, when I had a drink or when I had a smoke, you know, I would do stuff that I would, I would never do uh, sober. Um, it, it would take me, it would take me out of myself, you know, the more, you know, I would do stupid stuff, daring stuff, but also it would give me, it give me that, you know, the feeling that I fucking, like, it's hard to explain, but Give you that edge that yes. you needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That edge, you know, that uh, the vibe that I, I could vibe better with other people. Um, I didn't really fit in anywhere to my, you know, I had I had a few I had a few close friends, um, not really a group. I was I was good. I was I was probably quite an introverted little kid, but I loved my sport. Um, and when I found that I fitted, you know, I fitted in with these with these with these people who I used to drink and and smoke with. Um, 
so it gave me the feeling of belonging as well because yeah belonging definitely belonging um which i didn't have you know i i, I felt i was i was the world felt really odd to me um I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. You know, my mum, bless her, she she done her absolute best. Um, such a sweet, sweet lady. Um, but yeah, it it was. I think it was just it was. I wanted to I wanted to be involved with my older brother because, like I said, my dad was gone, and I wanted to be involved with his mates. And uh, and I wasn't. I was just completely shunned and and ridiculed um, by them. Um, so when I found these, you know, these these group of people on on my estate. Um, who I could drink and do drugs with and have fun with, it gave me that feeling of belonging, you know, and I loved it, you know. And um, what kind of things were you bullied or ridiculed for? Um, listen, I, it, I think it was just... <sighs> I was more beaten. Um, I think it, it was at the case, you know, my, 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 my brother didn't have a... Uh, like I said, my father wasn't around. My brother wasn't, didn't have a male role model either. Um, so I think... At the time, it was he was taking his anger out on me, and it was making him look cool in front of his friends, you know. Um, so, so it carried on. Um, you know, I think it was my brother's very hard-tempered, um, kind of. We, we're completely different with chalk and cheese. Um, I love him now, get on really well with him now, but um, yeah, I was more soft. Uh, a lot more sensitive um and i think i got ridiculed for that you know um i didn't i wasn't part of his of his group of these fucking thugs that used to go around doing what they'd done you know um so that's the reason i you know and that also made me feel worthless um but then later on in life it kind of turned the other way around you know i became the thug but um i'm sure we'll get into that and when in terms of your drug use, when mm. did things start getting out of control? Because I know at the beginning, it can be very fun and uh, you have this sense of oh, yeah. fitting in. Yeah. But I feel like with all addicts, no matter yeah. what your addiction is, it's there, there is a point where things start to turn. Listen, you know, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, for, for a year or two, it was fun. You know, I kept it to the weekends. Um, and it was fun. It was, you know, a, a Friday night, a Saturday night. Um, I, my mum, bless her, in states I used to come home in and try and convince her I was sober. Um, and, you know, there used to be, I remember uh, she used to, you know, cell phones had just come, you know, well, we're just getting smaller or whatever. And I used to get a call off her and she used to say, Thomas, get home now. And that's all she needed to say. And I knew there'd be a policeman sitting with her in our living room. Um, <laughs> this, oh, for, for something I've done, um, but certainly the first year, two years were fun. Um, hash progressed with it by the time I was fourteen to speed and ecstasy. Um, drink just got went went up and up, you know. Um, but I found pills, and I fucking loved them. Um, and speed, uh, I think that's when things started getting out of control i mean in my eyes then they went out of control i was just having well i wasn't having i was still having fun then like i said it was a way of a way of i see it now it was a way of escaping my feelings um because i couldn't deal 
with my feelings sober. Um, so yeah, they, looking back, it, it, be, it began to become a problem by the time I was 14. Um, the amount of, you know, the amount of pills and, and speed I was bombing on the weekends. And then that, that turned into fucking, I was like getting pilled up at school. Um, pills, uh, played a big part. I went, um, when I was 14, I was raped by an old, uh, by a boss. Um, I used to work on the market and, um, yeah, I played a big part in, I, got, I, I exacted some revenge on him and uh, and it was ecstasy that played a big part in that and it led me to a, to prison, um, to jail and, but then it led him to jail. So listen, I couldn't talk, like, it took me two weeks to, 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 to like to speak to the, not to speak to the police, I was at the, you know, um, to tell them why I'd done it. You know, I couldn't bring myself to tell them it was because he raped me. Um, but it was certainly, I think if I hadn't used, um, I wouldn't have that, it, because I was completely hung over when he'd done it as well. I, I literally hadn't, I was fucking, I had not an ounce of strength in me. Not that I think if I wasn't hung over, not that I think it would have, it would have changed anything because I was 14, he was still a bigger, you know, he was a full grown man, but um, yeah. And then, it progressed from there quickly. Um, found cocaine. Um, uh, by the time I was 18, I was spending seven, 700 pounds a weekend on, on cocaine by the time I was 18. Uh, and I knew I had a fucking problem then. I was uh, an apprentice engineer. I could manage to go to work and not use and drink at work. That's a lie, I drunk at work. Um, I could not, you know, I managed to, to keep off the coke whilst I was at work, but as soon as I left work, every night I was getting, I was getting smashed. I know I wasn't sleeping. Uh, you know, I was come five o'clock, I was five in the morning, the birds start chirping and you think, fuck, I've now got a shower and go to work. Um, and then you dread work, you know, I was dreading work, struggling for work, thinking oh, it's gonna be different tonight, it's gonna be different, I'm just gonna go home and I'm gonna sleep. And you know I'm gonna sort my life out. And then as soon as work finished, I'd get one beer inside me, and that I was like, oh, it might be a good idea to pick up some more cocaine. You know, um, that was something that was very traumatic to me as well. Was yeah. the the birds chirping? Yes. And I know oh, it. That's it, the worst. It might sound like a, a small thing. Yeah. But it's just it's kind of the reminder that another night's just passed. Of yeah. the same thing yeah. that I've been doing for ages. Mate, honestly, it's it's, it's the worst because you, 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 I I can only speak for myself, but I did have good intentions. Unfortunately, I'm not I'm not judged on my intentions. I'm judged on my actions. You know, um, and everything I've done in my life uh, has been a conscious decision that I've made. You know, no one's forced me to do it. Um, you know, I take 100% responsibility for everything. You know that I've put inside of me, all my actions, what, what I've done, um, you know, it's all been my own fault, but I lived, you know, my intentions were good. And then like you say, come to five o'clock in the morning, I was four, whatever, and then birds start chirping. And I'm thinking, you know, here we are again. I've done it again. Um, and then somehow I've got to drag my ass through the day knowing I can't use, um, 
and just praying that that evening I can just go home and go to have some food and go to sleep, you know. But that never ended up happening? It never ended up happening. I want to go back to, I know this is maybe a tough subject, yeah. but the trauma that you experienced with your boss. Yeah. Um, so with that experience, do you think that escalated your drug use a lot? For sure. Um, it escalated my drug use a lot. That gave me, I fucking, you know, I hated myself before that, but I fucking despised myself after that. You know, I fucking thought, I felt, I felt, I felt violated. I was violated. Um, my dad couldn't look me in the eye after that. Not that I had a great relationship with my dad anyway, but um, it was the worst. I mean, I've been through some pretty shitty times, but that was the worst. I couldn't talk to anyone about it. Um, I shut it. I shut it deep, deep down. You know, um, I felt I was weak. Uh, you know, I, f I thought there was something wrong with me for letting. I mean, I always thought, why? How did you let it happen? How did you let it happen? The truth is, you don't let it happen. You know, um, it's not exactly. I dropped my trousers and told you, you know, come and fucking. It doesn't work like that. Mm. You know, and I think. When it comes to sexual assault, things have come a long way in terms of women speaking out and people yeah. believing women. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also kind of starting with men as well. But yeah. for men, I think you don't want to admit it. Uh, you don't want no, people you don't. to know because you don't because it makes you feel weak. You know, and it makes you feel less than. It makes you feel less than. Um, people, you make you know, people are going to judge you. Uh, and they do judge you. And it's horrible, you know. It's, they shouldn't. They should be supportive. They should be like, fuck, you know. Um, what can we do? Um, but instead, they want to brush it under the carpet as well. You know, and then you get, why well, it's your fault for, you know, how uh, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't happen to me. You know, I wouldn't have let it happen. Yeah, fucking right. Well, put yourself in that situation and then see if, if, if you can stop it. I mean, bringing it back to, like, I've, I've spoke to ex-gangsters. Yeah. And um, in, 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 in prison in South Africa, yeah. and I'm sure it happens most places around the world, yeah. but in, in South African prisons, you get massive, big, strong guys. Yeah. And you just can't, it, it, it's not anyone's, it's not your fault. No. And a lot of the time you cannot stop it. No. I mean, like you said, you were 14 years yeah. old. What can a 14 year old yeah. kid do, you know? No. You, um, and besides for the, the strength part, it's just also just a shock to the yeah, system. It is. It is. Do you, yeah. do you know who Paddy the Baddy is? Yes. The, the UFC Paddy fighter. Paddy Piglet or whatever his name is, yeah. Paddy Piglet or... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the the geezer with the hair that should be in the 70s. Yeah, yeah the so he's, he's a UFC fighter. Yeah. And um, I uh, saw a, a clip of him this past weekend. And after he won his UFC fight, he was speaking about mental illness yeah. because one of his friends had committed suicide. Yes, I saw that clip. And he was saying like, and um, he, he was saying especially with men, we love to bottle things up. We do. For so long yeah. and beat ourselves up. But yeah. I want to encourage like anyone watching or as well, if you've ever been through a, a traumatic experience. For sure. Just find someone you trust, first of all. Yeah. Uh, and, and just share, you know, speak out. And um, a lot of the time, 
you'll feel a lot better for it. I'm pretty sure all of the time you'll feel a lot better for it. Even if it's not received the way you want it to be received, at least it's out there and you know that you're not kind of dealing with it alone. No, for sure. But I mean, from, from all of that, I mean, when did, what kind of trouble were you getting into uh, when things started to progress? In the early days, um, I was involved in a lot of, of drug running um, from Manchester down to London. Um, a lot of violence. Um, you know, I, I could have been banged up for years and years and years. Um, and I didn't give a fuck, you know, I didn't, I didn't batter an eyelid. You know, I used to drive down the M6, uh, which is a motorway that takes you from the north to the south in England, you know, doing 140 miles an hour in my BMW with fucking 12 ounces of Coke in the glove compartment. Um, you know, if I'd have got pulled over, I'd, I would have been easy given a 5 to 15 stretch, um, you know. Well, they'd be like 5 to 15 years in prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm not going to get away with personal usage on a fucking lump of coke like this, you know. Um, and I didn't care. Didn't, I didn't batter either. I didn't care who I was hurting. I didn't, you know, my mum, bless her, I put her through so much fucking stuff. You know, she, she, um, she told me once, she said she used to hate listening to the news on the radio because she, she thought that it would come on, I'd either been murdered or I'd, or I'd have been arrested for murdering someone. Um, you know, she told me that. And when she told me that, Oh, he cut me deep, you know, um, because the last thing oh, I love that woman, and uh, the last thing I wanted, I know, I did. I've, I've got, I've taken full responsibility for what I put her through, and we have such a great relationship now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a mama's boy at heart, and always will be. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was so back in the early days. Then I was uh, involved in a lot of gangs. Um, I was involved in Polish gangs, but that came a bit later. Um, and, you know, there was a lot going on in my young life. I was getting used a lot. I was getting used by, um, I used to, people my own age I didn't hang about with. So I was hanging about with people a lot older, like in their late 30s, in their 40s. And this was when I was six, this was started when I was sort of like 16. And I would do anything and they know I would do anything, you know, they would go, go and back, you know, go and take him and, you know, and I would do it just so I could get recognition off them, you know, because I wanted that male role model. I wanted, you know, I wanted to feel like someone's like, oh, good job, well done, you know, we're proud of you. For all the wrong reasons, um, you know, I, d- I don't condone that behavior at all and it's disgusting, um, but I got wrapped up in it at the time. Um, and I see now I was just getting used. I was, you know, but I, I didn't see it at the time. I thought, no, I was a part of something. Again, it made me feel a part of something. Um, but the situations I, I, you know, I've landed myself up in. Um, I actually wanted to ask you if um, you had any specific stories of things and times that just kind of were out of control or went too far. Uh, I mean, yeah, I've got, I've got how long have you got? Um, it's really, <laughs> maybe um, just one or two. Yeah. Um, later on in, in, I, it's not, it's not my first time in recovery. I was, I, I came into, re, into recovery young after getting an ultimatum off my, off my girlfriend at the time, but I was a few years clean and sober. So I just under seven years when I relapsed and, 
And so this time in my in my active addiction, I was I was back out there again for another three or four years. I got heavily involved in in the, in the Polish gang, um, which used to deal a lot in women um, and in cocaine. Yeah, you know, I I never. There's only a couple of them I knew their real names, um, or they they used to have names like the doctor or you know um, what the guys you worked for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I used to go and pick drugs up and and with with there always used to be three of us. Both of them used to be armed, used to be carrying guns, you know. And uh, you know, I witnessed I witnessed a man getting his hand chopped off. Um, you know, I was I was actually a part. I didn't I couldn't bring myself. I didn't know I was going to be a part of it, um, but I was, uh, and that's something that you know the, the scenes and the screams and uh, still haunts me really uh, to this day. Uh, so that was you know that was very out of control. Um, and do you know why they did that? He he owed money which he couldn't pay, um, and that's the type of things they do. You know if if. If if you can't, I mean, they're ruthless people. This is East, like proper mob Eastern, mentality. Eastern Europeans, mm. they're proper. Yeah, you know, they all they all had t- little teardrop tattoos, uh, and they wouldn't tell me what they mean. Um, they're gang related, um, you know. You still not know what it means. Yeah, uh, you know, I think it's yeah. You know, if if you've committed a murder. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, what yeah. it means. Yeah. Um, but I didn't I didn't know what it meant within the Polish. I thought if you know if it's something different or. Um, you know that that all I kept they kept telling me is you'll get yours one day, and I was thinking, oh no, fuck no, um, <laughs> I, I don't not. want. Um, but yeah, so and then I mean over here as well in Cape Town. I've been in Cape Town now. This is coming on five years, um, and I've landed myself up in some right fucking situations over here. I've re- I really you know I'm I'm what's this 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 on August the eighth I'll be three years clean and sober on August the 8th. So I, um, I've had spells over here, you know, where I've ended up in, in I remember one spell, uh, I'd relapsed uh, back onto crack. You know, I ended up on, on crack and, and heroin. And uh, I was smoking crack in this dingy fucking, dere- not derelict, but I think it was a brothel. A um, brothel? Yeah, I think it was a brothel in Weinberg. It was like a warehouse. Uh, that the only reason why I think this, because I could hear someone, hear a woman in the room next to that. So basically what there was, I, I went there with a woman who I was smoking crack with. She said, I know where we can go, where we can just smoke safely. Um, so it's in this back street, just off Weinberg main road and this warehouse that was run, but there was a manager. So you walk in, there's like cages you go through, big, big black manager. Um, and then, you go and you you hide you so you hide a room so it was like it was I think it was a it's brothel. a brothel bro yeah, it's a brothel right <laughs> so there's me smoking crack and and the manager of this hotel room was was a crack dealer uh, so I kept going down and he knew the woman I was with I wasn't I knew this I don't know how I met this woman I think I met her in rehab so we were smoking crack and and I ran out of crack and she was like just go down and 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 so because. She, and I can wait when I'm fucked. I can sell an ice cube to an Eskimo. Um, you know, I can always get more drugs. Where, you know, if I don't have any cash on me, it ain't gonna stop me. You know what I mean? It's not. Um, so I was in. Do you know what ticking means? Ticking. 
is what English call it ticking. So you, they just give you drugs on on uh, it's like on the tick list. I owe you kind of yes, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know what you call it over here, but in in the UK we call it tick. So you go on their tick list. So I, I was just fucking getting crack after crack after crack. I've done this two times over here, and 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 known I could pay for it, but. I didn't, I didn't have the means to pay for it on me. So I said, I'll, I'll, look, I'm going to sort it out tomorrow, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I, don't, I didn't care. I was just getting more and more and more. And in the morning, uh, I think I overstepped the mark with something I said, and he just pulls out a gun and just sticks it straight in my head. Um, and you know what? At the time, I didn't bat an eyelid. If I was sober, I probably would have pissed my pants. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I was so fucking high, um, I didn't care. I thought it was funny. You know, God knows how he did not shoot me. God knows how he didn't shoot me. Anyway, um, I ended up getting marched somewhere with a gun in my back um, so I could get him his money. Um, and it worked, you know, and I did. But they're the kind of situations I get myself into. Just like situations that you would never get into if you were sober. Oh, <laughs> fuck no. No, and, man. And I want to go back a bit to prison. Yeah. And what was it like? In, because I know prison in, in South Africa, or uh, it, I mean, it's just insane. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's not like that in the UK. It's not. I wouldn't call it lawless in South Africa yeah. because they have the numbers gang, which basically runs the place. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But what's I mean, it's it like? not like Polesmore. Or I mean, I'm fucking. It's nothing like Polesmore. It's what like, was it like there? I mean, I mean, it, in a young offenders institute, everyone's got something to prove. Um, so they all want to be number one. They mm. want to be top in a young offenders institute. You know, no one's got any sense. Um, the guards took a beatings. It was horrible. It was ruthless. Um, and I hated it. But I came out of there a, a lot. Let me think of the right thing to say here. I mean, I learned to cook up crack in prison. How crazy is that? Well, it's like the first time I went to rehab, I came out with a lot more knowledge yeah, of, exactly, of how to know? do stuff than yeah. I went in with. Yeah, you do. And it's dangerous. I and mean, that's why I don't like rehabs. But I'll, And I don't like rehabs. Because um, some are just money spinners. They want you to relapse to come back. Um, and they keep you in a really safe, whilst you're there, you're in this bubble. It's, no, you're not living the world. Um, detoxing in the rehab, I think is great. De detoxing in the rehab, you know. Which means like you go there and until the drugs come out, out of your, your system, system and you're not yes. under the influence anymore, yeah. then you leave, yeah. So where were we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, you know, it's, no, it's nothing like what it is over here, but, um, you know, it's... It's very clean. It's, you know, s s some are like holiday camps, I suppose. Um, you get TV in your room. Um, you know, you get nice food. Well, it's not nice food, but um, you get fed. Okay. And it's not nothing like like a Polesmore or a, where that, or, you know, other prisons in, in South Africa. You know, I think I wouldn't survive. If, if I went to prison out here, there's no way I'd survive. No way. No. Um, from the things I've heard, it's just, it's constant daily survival struggle like you are on edge 24 7 unless you join a gang um and even still you're on edge 24 7 um and I, i'm not gonna especially as a white guy yeah yeah i don't think it would no you would fare too well no from no, what I mean, i've heard de definitely man i mean i there's no way i would i mean I, I i almost i mean i got into trouble a few times and there was a there was one time where I got arrested um, and I was awaiting the court case. So the court case was about to happen or it was like currently happening. It kept getting postponed and stuff. And then I got arrested during that time as well before the case was settled. 
um, and I ran away. Uh, the cops didn't get me, but they got all my friends. So they knew where I was staying and they rattled on me. Like they were like, it was, I, I was mainly at fault. Um, so they rattled on me. Um, and I was like, in the moment when I was on my knees, I was like, if I stay here, I'm going to get a criminal record yeah. because then it's like a two-time offender now. Yeah. Um, so I was just like, I have to get out of here. And I got out of there and I was fine. But when I got home for about a week or so, I was like, if they come for me, I could go to prison. Um, and that feeling is horrible, hey? Yeah, and the one, the one day I walked up to my dad, it was like it was like one, one in the morning or something, and I woke my dad up. I was still living at the house with him. And I said, Dad, like I burst out crying. I was like, I can't go to prison. I was like, there's just no fucking way. <laughs> I will get assaulted or killed. Um, so luckily that didn't happen, uh, luckily. But I mean, getting back to you, I want to know, once you left prison, right, um, how long was it before you went into your first treatment center, your first rehab? So I didn't go into treatment until I was 30. Um, yeah, I was 30 when I went into my first treatment center, which was in the UK. I, I got sober. Uh, my first AA meeting was when I was 20. What I consider my first AA meeting, you know, I went, I, went, I got driven there by my girlfriend. Um, and... You know, when you come to me and they say, are there any newcomers? Um, if so, would you introduce yourselves by first name only, blah, blah, blah. So I stuck my hand up and said, Tom, alcoholic. And everyone laughed. And I was like, why the fuck is everyone laughing? And, really, and then the man sitting next to me put his arm around me. He says, Tommy boy, he says, you've been here four times before. You've just been too fucked to remember. No. Yeah, yeah. So I was there, introduced myself every time. It's a newcomer, you know. <laughs> and then I was actually there sober. I'm sorry, I don't mean yeah. to laugh, but so, that's but, funny. But I was, so when I was actually there sober... Uh, and thought it was the first time I was there. Um, anyway, that man uh, <laughs> sat next to me, became my sponsor. And uh, and I was off clean for a long time, long time. Uh, and then relapsed badly when I was 27. 27, yeah. Um, first on alcohol. Uh, and then I became... Uh, within like six weeks, I was decantering wine into Lucozé bottles so I could drink driving to work. I mean, in that time, I was I was clean. Fuck, my life was great, you know. Um, well, I had I, I've got three beautiful boys in the UK: Frazier, Sebastian, and Theodore. Um, you know, so we we had them. Um, I was getting promoted at work. I was you know operations director of a of a international firm, and yeah, and I picked up a... Things didn't quite work out between the boy's mother and me. And um, and it made me pick up a drink. And then within six weeks, I was I was decanting wine into Lucozé bottles so I could drink driving to work in the morning. And that, and then I got kicked out of the house, the family house. Where the boy's mother said, you know, I never cheated on her at all with, you know, I stayed faithful. But I did, I cheated on her with alcohol, you know, because I fucking lied. You know, I got a house next to a, a pub. In that, you know, we were moving. You know, I used to go, I'm just going to go and get the bins in. I was already, I'd already been drinking. And uh, I'd come back four hours later with this elaborate story. That fucking, you wouldn't believe the bins were stolen. I had to walk right away across town. Uh, you know, and then I found one bin. I couldn't find the other. And she, you know, all the time I was just sitting in the fucking boozer next door. <laughs> you know, getting lashed. You know, and so she, she couldn't trust me anymore. And I'd drink, you know, I'd. All, I've, all I cared about, and I'm, I'm ashamed to say this, but if this is what booze and when you're an addict or an alcoholic, this is what it 
alcohol, for me, alcohol and drugs become my higher power. Everything revolves around alcohol and drugs, you know, um, and I don't choose it because as soon as I have that first hit or that first, you know, or, or, or a drink, my, my, um, ability to, to make decisions or choose gets taken away from me because then, um, you know, I've been around this a long time. Disease, my disease um, takes that choice away from me. And all I care about is alcohol and drugs. Mm. Uh, I put them before the people who I love most in the world. They, I will, you know what I mean? They, I will step over my mum for a crack hit if she's on fire. The one time I, um, my mum used to hide her bag everywhere uh, because I would steal her money. And... Um, she ran out of places to hide it. And I was so good at finding it. I mean, I thought I was doing it quickly, but I was probably looking for hours. And um, the one day I had searched, this is how meticulous I was. Yeah. I had searched every single inch of the house in their room while they were sleeping, all around the house, outside, but she used to hide it in the bush, everywhere, right? Yeah. And I was like, she's hidden it under her pillow. It's the only place right, I no, had man. not searched. Okay. And then and she was sleeping in the... In, yes. Yeah. And I went to her head and I put my hand without looking <laughs> under the pillow yeah. and I found it. Okay. That's how bad it was. I had, yeah, yeah. I had done that every night for years yeah, yeah. or for months. Yeah. And I just got so good at knowing and understanding her psychology that... Yeah. And I would watch during the day. Like, yeah, yeah. Where's she going funny? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was just like, the only place that I haven't yeah. looked is the pillow. And I also want one again, I don't often speak to the camera, but to anyone that is an addict or has like family members that suffer from addiction, what Tommy was saying is true is you don't have a choice. Once, you know, it just takes one week moment yeah. after being sober for years yeah. to make you go, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use drugs again. And once you make that decision, it's almost like an addict has two different personalities. There's how you are when you're sober and how you are when you're on drugs. Yeah, yeah. And like, like me, I've, did, I've done things that I would never, ever, ever, ever do sober on drugs. Yeah, yeah. Things that disgust me as a person that if I saw someone else doing them, I'd be like, that is, that is unforgivable. Yeah. But it's what happens when you it use is. drugs. Listen, I'm sober. I have I have freedom of choice at the moment, you know. I I can make it's my choice what decisions I make. Um I have to keep enough in my spiritual bank to make the right decisions because picking up is only an arm's length away from me, you know. To pick up a drink or I can fucking even though I'm I, I don't know any drug dealers, I'm I can I I'll sniff them out within a fucking five mile radius, you know, because I'm an addict. Um but as soon as I take that first hit, and don't get me wrong, it is my decision to take that first hit. Every relapse I've had, uh, it has always been my own decision, my own conscious decision to take that first hit. But as soon as I take that first hit, my freedom of choice gets taken away from me. And then I, it's just, it's well, you know what it's like, snowball, 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 snowball chase, 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 chase. Um, and I can't get off it, you know. I, I'll end up, uh, you know, on a fucking five to a week, five to seven day binge and then have to knock myself out with heroin or with benzos for two days, wake up feeling shit. Oh, I have to have a hit. To make you feel better. To make again. you feel better. And then we go again, you know. Um, and you, you said 
So you started going to NA at 20. Yes, AA, yeah. AA. Yeah. When was the first time you actually went to uh, a rehab? So that was when I was 30. I was, uh, I'd been using heavily. Listen, I'd lost everything. I'd lost, I'd lost, um, I still had a job. Fuck, fuck knows how. But I lived in there in a, in a room above a pub that my mate owned. So in the day I would go to this job where I had a lot of responsibility, which I was using at by this time. Um, and then I'd come come back to this pub and I'd work behind the bar, which I love because I could just get booze and he didn't mind me doing drugs. And um, and my life was just shit. And one day I was sitting, it was a Monday morning, I was sitting, early Monday morning, I was sitting on the sofa downstairs in this pub uh, with a needle sticking out of my arm, pipe in my mouth and I think a bottle of JD next to me. And I just went, I can't do this. You know, I can't do it. Um, I surrendered to the fact that, again, my life was controlled. I mean, it had been controlled by a long time, but I, I always, you know, lied to myself and um, that it wasn't a problem. But I went to kill myself and then I ended up, anyway, phoning my mum and... Things happened and I ended up in rehab uh, when I was 30 years old in the UK. Rehab uh, that Russell Brand went to, funny enough, um, which was in my hometown. And was your experience, like when you came here, did you go, I actually want to get clean this time? Or was it... I had, mate, I was in such a state. I was, um, I, I was in such a state. I just need, I was desperate, you know. I was desperate. I don't know if I could tell you if I was ready again um, because I knew what I lost and I didn't. I just didn't think it was um, if it was if it was worth getting sober, you know. But I had to do something because I was putting all my luck, putting people who I love through so much shit and hell. Um, you know, I, I would have if I'd have stayed in the UK any longer, I would have been dead or I would have had a really lengthy prison term. Um, I ended up being fucking a debt collector for this uh, for this Polish gang. Um, and I was a nasty little because I was always off my nut, um, and it would have soon caught up with me. Mm. Um, At what point did you decide to take it seriously? Because there was a point. Yeah. Oh no, mate, there was a point definitely. Um, something changed in me, switched in me. And actually, I, I wanted to to live a better life again. I, I uh, you know, I lost a lot. I'd been through so much. It's hard to come back from that, but you can come back from that. And and little by little, it started. Things started <laughs> changing in me. You know, my self worth went up a little bit. Um, I focused a lot on the relationship I had with myself. You know, that's what makes that's what makes my life the way it is today. Is because of the work I put in on on the relationship I have with me. It's not. Some days it's not great. But most days I can say, I can look in the mirror and go, okay, cool, you're a cool dude, you know. Mm. Um, you've done some shit, but, you know, I've made amends and and at the end of the day, um, I don't hate myself for it anymore. Um, I can never forget it because it's it'll soon take me back there. Mm. Um, but I don't hate myself anymore. Um, you know, I'm married now to the, to the, to the love of my life. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's actually my first wedding anniversary today. Um, and 
she's an amazing woman, you know. Um, and I certainly wouldn't have her in my life if I was if I was sober, if I was drinking or or on drugs. Um, we have a beautiful son, Carter. Uh, I wouldn't have him in my life. I've got my three boys in my life in the UK, Fraser, Sebastian and Theodore. You know, I'm a present father to them. They love me. I go back to the UK to, they come, they they stay with me. Um, you know, I video call them all the time. Uh, I'm daddy to them, you know. I'm a daddy. Um, I'm a present, I'm there. Um, I have a great relationship to, with my mum. I speak to her every day. Um, I speak to my brother. I work with my brother. Um, and it's all about action for me. You know, I wasn't putting in the action and it showed. I just kept relapsing, you know, I, uh, probably because I was in such denial. Um, and I wasn't putting in the action. Uh, and when I started putting in the action, you know, my life, I live my life that every day I want to get a little bit, I want to be a little bit of a better human being than I was yesterday. Um, and some days, you know, I, I try my best every day. Uh, and some days that's different, you know, but I, I'm, I'm, I am my biggest critic, you know, and my wife will tell you this. I can't give myself a break or rest. I constantly have to be doing something to, and looking at it, you know, it's, it's, I need to feel like I'm making an improvement on what I've come from. And I mean, just sitting in a, if, if, if it comes to it, you know, I'm only just saying this, I've never said this out loud before. You know, if it comes, if it, if it means, you know, just for one day, I'm, I'm really overwhelmed and all I can do is, is lay in bed, but I'm, I'm clean and sober. That's making an improvement of where I've come from, you know, mm. uh, that is. Um, but I don't give myself, I don't allow myself time to, I think, um, you know, I've always... Always, I always have to put in some action in the day. I always have to think, okay, cool, I've achieved something today. Um, and I've grown from it. Whereas I can still grow if I don't do fuck all, but I stay clean and sober, I can still grow. I just have to keep telling myself that. Mm. Um, do I put it into practice? I can't, not at the moment, I'm not going to lie, I don't. But I need to start putting it into practice. Mm. Um but at least I can see it now, I suppose. Yeah, I know. I mean, it is a, I, I always have that thing where it's like, if I'm not, I, I, I always feel like I'm not doing enough or I'm, I haven't yes. come far enough. Yeah. You know, like I always look and I'm like, oh, I'm single, it, I'm 25. You know, my brother's got kids. Like his wife is 24. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm always thinking my career isn't as far as I wanted to be. I always think of all the negatives. Yeah. And for so long, that was the case. And like, I'm not even joking. It was probably like a day or two ago. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, you know, you actually look quite handsome today. Yeah. Like, I was like, you look pretty good, good you know? Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, you're actually doing okay, mm. you know? Yeah. Because, um, mate, you, you're the same as me. You don't give yourself a break. Mm. You should give yourself a pat on the back more often. Yeah, everything, everything's always as bad as it can be yeah. in my head. But oh, yeah, of course. On, we on the surface... Mate, it's not that. No, it's not. Mm. But it's not. I mean, I can test. I, you know, I, I, I always look. I'm funny. I always look for, not, not. No, I don't these days. But I, I, I tend to catastrophize things a lot. Um, you know, um, I mean, I, I would like more money in the bank. Who wouldn't like more money in the bank? 
but I've got a lovely house. We live in a lovely house. Um, I can afford to give my four sons what they want, um, drive a nice car. Uh, you know, I put in the work to have all that stuff. Um, and my wife does as well, you know. Um, she spurs me. She, she, she spurs me. She spurs me on to better myself as well. Um, fuck knows why she married me. I still, I still, I sit there sometimes. I'm like, hey, is this just fucking someone's going to, someone's going to jump out from a cupboard soon and go, ha, we got you, you know. Mm. Um, we was just winding you up because you've been such a for so long. And just coming towards the end, I want to ask you, because you've dealt with relapse a lot in yeah. your past, right? Mm. And just for anyone watching, because I'm sure there's going to be people that have either their brother or their sister yeah. or their dad or their mom or themselves that suffers from addiction. When you do go and get help and you fall short, right? Like I've relapsed as well. Mm. Um, when, when you do fall short, what are the things that you can do uh, to get back on the right path? Swallow your pride. Um, for me, it's a lot about um, my pride. It's about saying I need help. Um, talking to to the the best thing to do. You need to involve your family and your you know and your friends to let them know that you've relapsed. And um, if they don't already, um, but you need to get in contact with a recovering addict or alcoholic because they know what you're going through. Um, no one else in the world apart from a recovering addict or alcoholic will know what you're going through. You need to make that call. You need to get yourself um, to, to an NAAA, whatever kind of 12-step meeting, you know, and sit in that chair because you will be welcomed with open arms. It doesn't matter if you are an hour clean, you know, if, if you had a hit walking to the meeting, Get yourself to a fucking meeting. Sit down in that chair. I've done it. I've done. I've. I've gone into meeting uh, here. In uh, I was. I was due to be uh, to to be chairperson of of this. I was doing service at a meeting in Kenilworth, and uh, I relapsed. And and if it wasn't for the people there, um, that got me. You know, I was sitting back in that meeting a week later, whereas normally I would have gone fuck. You know, I couldn't bring myself to come back um, because of the shame, the guilt of relapse. Listen, if you've relapsed, don't be guilty. Um, you, what you need to do, yesterday doesn't matter. You know, yesterday's gone. It's about the action you put in now. You know, you need to put in that action to get yourself sober again. You know, you're not going to change yesterday. Um no matter how much you fixate on it, uh, it will never change. What you can change is tomorrow. You know, that action you put in today will change tomorrow for you. You need to get in the chair, make calls, speak to people, go and camp outside someone's house until, you know, they are safe, get yourself safe. Um, and just remember you're worth recovery. Everyone's worth recovery, you know. Um, it really is is tough to do once you've relapsed, but there should be no shame and no guilt because you will be welcomed back in to recovery with open arms and no one's going to judge you. No one's going to say anything. They'll give you a hug and they'll give you a cup of tea and a biscuit. <laughs> and they will love you until you love yourself. They will.
Amazing, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Thank you. It still amazes me that you asked me because I think that, you know, I'm sitting here like a fraud. Um, but that's that's how you, I felt as well for a long yeah. time. It's like, it, it is weird sharing your own story. And like you were saying, like you're sharing things that you've never yeah. shared before. But yeah. it's, it is, it's, I could see it was a very raw, uh, the way you told it was very raw. And I think uh, a lot of people are going to relate to what you said. I hope, uh, you, know, I'm, you know, I've only got one story and um, I hope, uh, you know, if, if if it gets five views and it helps one person, um, then it's been very worthwhile. Mm, exactly. Thanks, man. But anyway, thank you so much for coming on. And Thanks, uh, thank you so much for watching. This is the Wide Awake Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you all very soon. Cheers. Done. <laughs>